0: Oh my gosh you guys what a morning uh, we're here at the mea leadership conference where mo and frank founders of culture plus um were our keynote kickoff speakers i mean wow mind blown i mean really um we don't a fan
1: favorite for sure yeah
0: we don't usually sit in mm, yeah. but so especially the law that? conference people are gonna tell, hear this. we won't tell anybody people <laughs> are gonna hear this well, we don't normally sit in okay fair enough so that's being honest, you do not <laughs> anyway, really yes. unbelievable your journey, your story, your transparency, your success at both both personally and your business um I love it uh the book is uh love as a business strategy um talk to us highlights about um sort of this journey for you,
2: yeah I think uh, I can start um. Uh... So essentially the book, Love is a Business Strategy, was written because of a journey that our organization went on. Uh, Software was the name of the company and um, I'm the founder and CEO of the company and I had a tremendous success, uh, you know, running the company and I started started it at age 20. Um, And that success quickly was about to turn into a bankruptcy story and... I realized in the deep moment of introspection that this was because of my fault. I was incredibly selfish, greedy, and I cared only about doing things my way. And I had created an environment of fear. And that's what truly almost destroyed our business. Fortunately, I was lucky enough or uh, uh, blessed to have realized that I'm the one who needed to change you in order to save the company. And I was able to learn of the culture of love from an American football game I witnessed and I decided to try and experiment bringing that culture into the walls of our organization and that literally saved our business and as a result of that our business went from barely surviving to thriving and uh, next thing you know we have clients customers from fortune 50 companies asking us hey can you help us with culture can you help us with our leaders And we're like, that's not what we do. And they're like, we know, that's why it's so refreshing. We need someone who doesn't do it to come and tell our leaders how to behave. And uh, so we got on this journey of teaching leaders around the world how to lead with love. And that gave way to our book, Love as a Business Strategy. And since then, we've been traveling around the world, speaking about love as a business strategy and our journey and how it can impact uh, the corporate workplace to bring back humanity.
0: You know, as, as you were talking about that, I, this journey is just fascinating and, you know, you're so clearly vulnerable in that sort of discussion. Um, we, we hear a lot or we talk, you know, it's not uncommon that the leader of a startup is hard to work for. Right, you're building something, right? Um, And we call that a lot founder syndrome, right? Like yo, you could start it, but you gotta go, right? And and um, so this this transformation, I'm just like, uh, I'm I'm fascinated by, and so certainly, um, Frank, you've been there for 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 Mo 1.0, and yeah,
3: Mo 1.0 was there, and then now we're Mo. Three point, four point, seven point two, something like that. Right,
0: you're <laughs> talking with the iPhone, I thought. I thought
1: right? like, about, <laughs> that's, that's
3: Mo iOS
4: 17
3: <laughs> is the new iOS. Right. But, you know, in regards to what you were talking about, about founder syndrome, you know, most of the time, the the individual's DNA is so interwoven within the way that their company has been founded. Right. And I think a lot of that was true for Muhammad and starting up this business and even starting it from a family perspective. Um but as a result of trying to be as successful as possible by learning from what other large organizations did to succeed, he began to let some of those value, family values dissipate and what was, re- what was replaced was that Mo 1.0 that we all experienced. And so when he first started his company, I think it's fair to say, yeah. it was very much a family kind of dynamic, but that quickly gave way to you saying, we need more rigid structures. I need to do this, this, and this. And that created that environment that was toxic, essentially.
0: Why did you stay?
3: So my wife asked me the same question. Okay. Probably especially more than once, es- more than once. <laughs> I mean, especially sorry, as sorry. we were, <laughs> as we were going through this down, this downturn mm-hmm. and coming out of that, um, a, what a lot of people didn't know be, that was happening behind the scenes is Muhammad sold, sold his fully paid off home and put that money back into the company. He sold the Porsche that he had purchased previously and put that money back to the company. And he, um, stopped taking us out. And so one day, a few months after we had on this journey, he had started his journey. Um, I got a handwritten note from Mo, And in it, it said, Hey, Frank, I know the time and energy you've been putting into this and the work that we're doing to try to save this company. And I know that you haven't spent a lot of time with your family. And so I want to give you some money to go take them and do something with them. And it was $100. And very few people knew that Muhammad had no salary had sold his home and his car and that money that he gave me was from him personally and it was because he wanted me to spend time with my family and I thought this is the leader I want to lead alongside this is the person who I want to commit to
2: hmm.
3: and that was one of those moments where I said I'm in it I'm for sure in it because I experienced that moment and I thought I mean why would I not want to give this a chance
1: yeah that's amazing so anybody that has seen you speak they know that you guys are fun i mean love is a business strategy but you have also brought it's a fun it's a fun time absolutely so we were talking this morning frank you told me a funny story uh about uh mo 1.0 and uh no your new mo right? um and you don't have to repeat that one but is there a funny story that you can share that really also highlights the change.
3: I would love to share one. And okay. Muhammad loves this, as you can tell by his demeanor and body language. It is. is and I, I, I start. Even, he's got to start. He wants to pick Hillary, a story. He's got to start. You know, you know. we already
2: know where we're <sighs> going with this. Okay. So perfect. it's going to be juicy. Go for it. Okay. So when we were um, going to the turbulent times, I was a leader who, if I wanted to have a meeting, everybody had to get together. It was like, Am, I want a meeting right now this afternoon in 30 minutes, and people would have to show up. So similarly, one day I decided I wanted to meet my entire leadership team on the whim. Uh, I set up a meeting in the morning. Uh, I, at 10 a.m., I set up a meeting for 2 p.m. and I sent out an invite. I said, everybody better show up. We're going to have a serious conversation. So two o'clock comes around. Everybody starts rolling into the meeting. People are rolling in late to the meeting. I'm getting triggered. triggered. I'm getting really upset and frustrated. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, there's one person missing. I'm like, where the hell is frank Me. it's like i could tell 10 minutes in, frank hasn't shown up <laughs> and i'm like okay how, how much longer am i going to wait mm-hmm. and during this whole time i kept like disparaging frank i was like frank is a lazy guy he doesn't know how to manage his time he's probably hasn't even like Realize he's missing a meeting. It's just, it's like this thing.
1: He's just totally close so to like, this friend. And She's all dead. of
2: our leadership. Left- Frank is
1: dead right. to me. Everyone. He's done.
2: So I'm, I'm like, not kidding. Yeah, so I'm like saying all these things. Okay. And eventually I'm like, okay, I've had it. I got out of the seat and I went to the, his office, which is on the other side of the building. And I bar- and he was in there. I could see his window was he's there. He's working
3: and- at the computer, you know?
2: And I barged in and I said, Frank, what the F? And, and why others. is your ass not in the room right it out. now? Nice. How dare you not come to my meeting? Get your and let yeah, your back. Yeah. The wow. volume was at eleven. Like he was, okay. he was definitely like, I calm first. And that, sure.
3: and that was. Yeah, this yeah, is okay. mode okay. three point four yeah. point something. But like he, I'm gonna I, see it. He, he <laughs> could broken. <laughs> <play it? laughs> How do we get him back
1: there? But, but um, we don't have a bleeper, so you can't
3: actually yes. exactly. Exactly. So so when he came in the room, and that was the the only time that Muhammad has ever like straight up yelled at me, the only time I had experienced like the the wrath, essentially. And after yeah. that. Yeah,
2: yeah. And then I told him follow me, let's go. And I was and so just, he just picked up his stuff. And you know the Charlie Brown and walked into and... a
3: sad kind of walk and then I sat down, didn't say anything, and I meeting got over,
2: everything was done. And then,
1: so real quick, I just, oh, I'm sorry. I just have to know. You probably want to know too. Did you have a good reason for being? Yeah. Why were you late? To oh, okay.
2: Okay. All the questions
3: yes. shall be answered. <laughs>
2: we're not impatient. We're just so. <laughs> so, no, I curious. I somehow managed to run the meeting, finished it. And then later that evening, I get an invite from Frank for a one on one for the next morning in the way corner of the office where usually people have quit. This is where people need me to say Oh, I, the quit room. It's it's the quit room. room.
0: Yeah. Yeah, What's the quit room. Really yeah. Exactly? yeah. Well, it, right it does right? now. It does now. We just coined it. It's yeah. a quit room, and he made you
2: do it yes. the next day to see you could ruin yeah. it. All. So the whole night, I was like, damn it. I think I did. I think I just overdid it. One you know, but it was justified. He wasn't there. Right? I'm <laughs> still justified. <laughs> Everything is the next morning. I walk into the room, and so I was so a little late. Two minutes. Nobody's counting, but two minutes.
1: two
2: minutes. Two minutes is two minutes. Yes.
1: You're yes. So like, early, you're late.
2: Yeah. Nice. So I sit down, and uh, I could see Frank had a notebook. He had some notes in it, and he was visibly shaking like a leaf. Visibly, yeah. he was like, he was All like this. And he emotion. was like, really. And I was like, I was like, I think I just said, yeah, so what's up or something.
3: Yeah, dude, just super. Like, like, <laughs> like yeah, what's yeah, going on? What's happening? I'm like, I'd like
2: to talk to you. <laughs> And then uh, Frank says, I'd like to share something with you. And he looks at his notebook and he starts reading. He doesn't look in my eyes, reads and he says, I just want you to know, I do not appreciate being yelled at like that. And I do not want to be treated like that. And he is shaking and his voice is trembling when he's telling me this I'm like, "Yeah, crap. And then later he's like, I also want to show you something else.
3: Well, first, first yes. of all, you apologized after that. And you said. I tried to justify. You did justify. <laughs> it. He was like, yeah, but, you know, I need people. And he went up to like, oh, I How need people to show up. I need <laughs> people to be a part of that. Like, I know. I understand. And then I said, hey, also, I just want to show you something. And I turned the laptop around and I show him that I wasn't invited to the meeting.
1: That's what I was thinking. I was gonna I had forgotten
2: <laughs> to invite him. On the calendar invite. I
1: mean, that's the best.
2: I mean, sorry, that.
3: Oh my god!
2: So that's so that was good. So why did you that, right? So I was
3: because I wanted to get my thoughts out oh, this is as, right. and, and just kind of start with, "Hey, this is how it made me feel. This it's is exactly the experience." And then in that moment, I said, "I also want you to understand I wasn't even invited to it, right?" And so that's why I was so shocked when he barged yeah. into the office, cause I was just working, I was sending yeah. an email or doing something in yes. chat. And it was definitely one of those specific pinpoint moments that recognizes how far honestly you've come as yeah. well as, as a leader recognizing that. So what did you
1: do?
2: And I apologize eventually. <laughs> eventually, <You're a French laughs> And that I mean, moment I just realized, oh crap, I have no way escaping this. Like, there's no justification for this. Like. I just needed to own it up and apologize. It was hard as hell to apologize, I won't lie. Yeah, that's difficult as all well these I was like embarrassed. I was i been an asshole. Sorry. i have to get all uh, right. But... We
1: have a dollar, listeners. And <laughs> liners. <versus. laughs>
2: so yeah, so eventually I, I had to own it. But I also really, really appreciated the grace and the way that Frank approached me because he could have quit, could have resigned, he could have Told me F you and walked out the door, but he chose to take the high road and give me the feedback I deserve to hear despite my intimidating demeanor. It yeah, was terrifying. And uh, he forgave me. And I think that meant so much to me that I could then go on a journey of realizing that I need to be a better leader. I need to be a better human. But also, I know I need people like Frank around me to. Give me the feedback and help yeah. me see myself in ways I've never seen and also be practicing grace with me.
0: I want to ask a question. You've shared with us how your real transformation in your leadership style and sort of your sort of outlook on the world, really, if you think about it, um, changed your business. How has it changed your life and your
2: yeah. your personal life? Mm-hmm tremendously it's made a night and day difference and it's totally true when we say like you can't you're you're not two different people you don't have your work version your personality you're the same person when you show up to work you're the same Mohammed. right and we try so hard to distinguish work and life and you know my professional life and my personal life and the reality is at the end of the day that's too tasking emotionally mentally and it's too stressful to try and put two faces um, and so I've learned to embrace just who I am I'm like this at work and at home and I had to understand that I'm one person and my emotional reactions I have at work but the same reactions I was having with my wife with my kids, with my siblings with my parents, with the waiter with the traffic uh, traffic's maybe a little different <laughs> but, but I, I've now seen myself like responding to situations that in the past I would have had a reaction, now I'm like well, let me think about that. Let me respond and not react and let me be appreciative of this opportunity that I have and look for the good and the bad instead of always focusing on the bad. Look for the goodness and people instead of their weaknesses. So it's like changed my whole perspective of the world. I find love everywhere I go now. I find love in this conversation. I find love in being able to speak and the questions that people ask and it's like changed my whole like, like It's like somebody took a shade off and put another shade on and I know it didn't happen overnight, but it feels like it's a night difference. And it's made me far more content, far more happier. Um, I'm not as uh, rich as I used to be, but that's okay. I'm rich in love. And the people around me, and having people like Frank and my team, oh. people who support us like you all, it's worth it. It's huge. Yeah. How fast. And
3: I think our lives have been impacted incredibly, not just Muhammad's, Muhammad's personal journey, if you ask his wife, we were talking about this on the drive here that our relationships with our wives are the best they've ever been. And he's going on is it 17 years, just now? Yes, 17, completed my 17 back, years, actually. 15 years for me in February. And so we've got this remarkable a- a- adoption into our own like personal lives, right? Where I'm able to bring what I'm learning you? and what I'm sharing with people to my home and be a more loving husband. and. The policies and the way we transformed our organization has given time back to people to spend time with their families and to be able to do both, right? And that's why we talk about putting people to center of business decisions, because that's the priority. And for us, we've seen an increase in our productivity, an increase in people's willingness to be a part of it, an increase for giving their all when they recognize what we're trying to do inside of the organization and the goodwill that we share. Is also kind of reimbursed back as a,
1: and hence the name Cultural Plus. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The, it, who wouldn't want to work in a culture yeah. like that and and um, yeah, and be a part of that and get to experience that all the time. So that's
0: awesome. Thank you guys so much. Yeah. We loved having you here today, yes. and um, can't wait to see more. Yeah,
3: yes. very exciting. Thank you so Thank much. You. Thank, Thank, you.
1: Thank you for having us. All right, Hughes of Hubbard for Trust. Thank you for joining Holly and I today. Oh, yes. it's always fun to be with you. Thank you for saying. That. Um, so we're here about leaders. So I thought I'd ask you about development for leaders. And uh, and I know that you know, right? Cause leadership is a journey. Our ability to grow and improve as leaders is something that we should always be working on, always be learning. Um, so with that in mind, what's what's the best thing that you've done? What's how have you grown or what is the, the single best experience that you've had as a leader? Learning about the brain. The brain. The brain. So tell us more.
5: Well, people cannot respond rationally, um, coherently. Sorry, I'm not doing this well. Uh, people cannot think clearly if their amygdalas have been
0: triggered. Their amygdalas. Amygdala.
5: amygdala. 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 Motion center of the brain. Uh, when you flip your lid, it's because your amygdala yeah. is going off, right?
1: I've heard it uh, phrased as a hijacking. Of yes, amygdala.
5: amygdala hijacking. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, I think that has informed the way that I lead and teach other people to lead. Because when you're dealing with people who are super emotional or afraid or defensive, it's really difficult for them to be rational, logical. Um, and so if someone's flipped their lid, you need to give them time to get themselves back together maybe revisit the conversation later. Um, I think that it's changed the way I think about leadership. I always describe myself as a leader as industrious, courageous, loving. And I probably earlier in my career put more emphasis on the industrious and the courageous. But since learning more about the field of neuroscience, I have been focusing more on the loving part Mm -hmm. of leading and managing people because people have brains and brains have amygdalas and if people are feeling upset about some change that's going to impact the way they were then you know no list of protocols is going to be able to mitigate that anxiety
0: great great answer um so i think we can all agree that the past three three and a half years has been the uh we've seen the most workplace changes right from from where we work, how we work, technology, AI, supply chain challenges, I could go on forever. Um, with all this change, um, wor- the workplaces had to change. And uh, as have our leadership styles, how have you has your leadership style adapted or changed to this new world of work?
5: I have become deliberately much more patient mm. with people. So again, my former thoughts about leadership were that I had to be tough, make the decisions others were afraid to make, say the things that others were afraid to say. And with what we've gone through in the past three years, I have found myself becoming softer and more patient in allowing people to come to conclusions on their own, to look at the data, develop their own interpretations, um, Propose alternate interpretations, uh, and then let people marinate in the thought process and and pose their own solutions. Um, whereas before, I think I was more inclined to fix it quick. Yep.
1: Yeah. So you know, what just occurred to me is, um, in the time that I've known you, Aaron, I would say that my impression always of you is that you're very zen-like. Like you are very calm. I think whatever you're doing to, to be more patient, to be more loving, <laughs> it, it, like, kind of, uh, like, exudes it all the time, yeah. right? There's just this, there is this calmness, this peacefulness about you that is really inviting. And comfort. Yeah, absolutely, right?
5: Yeah. You know, my mother used to make us, when we were bad, when we were kids, <laughs> she would make us sit on a stool in a living room where you couldn't touch anything, even if you, like, stuck your foot out, and you had to sit there until you said five nice things. Oh. And if it were mean to somebody, it had to be five nice things about them. Ooh. And it could not be I passed or they passed first grade, they passed second grade. Passed it. Oh. it had to be genuinely nice things about them. And I think that has stuck with me and that I, I, I can be pretty good at finding really good things about lots of other people. But I do think as I've aged, I've gotten better at showing that as a leader.
0: And we heard from one of our speakers earlier today about assuming, not making the assumption that they're trying to do something negative. Uh, uh, they're trying to do the right thing. Yes. Yeah. And so, uh, right. Assume yeah, right. good intention, right? Yeah. Assume that they think it was a good decision. Yep. And that's kind of part and parcel with that sort yep. of philosophy of say five good things about them, yep. right? Yep. Yeah. yeah. Awesome.
1: <laughs> it, it shifts the whole thinking. And puts you into that that mindset that, oh, they are a good person, and this is good, and it's not them, it's it's the situation. Yeah. All right. Awesome. So see your mother taught you something. She did. <laughs> no, she taught me well. Uh, all right. So a quick question for you. We know um, that, as I said before, like, leadership is a journey. We're yep. all on this journey. And uh, there are road bumps on this road, right? We all at times make mistakes. What do you think is the greatest uh, mistake that to make?
5: I think the greatest mistake leaders make is particularly when they're new to an organization or a team or new to a leadership role, maybe at the same place, and they don't pay homage to people and culture. So what a really good new leader does, in my opinion, is surveys everybody in the team and the company has individual conversations with them about their take on the company, the challenges, the things to be celebrated, and um, holds them up
1: Mm -hmm.
5: as the existing um, pillars of the culture and the community. People need to do that before they institute change. Mm.
1: So, play Devil Mm here: You suggest this to a new leader. Mm -hmm. And they say, I don't need 20 for that. Because there is such a time pressure, and so many managers, leaders do feel that. How are you going to tell that individual, how are you going to express really the worth of doing this?
5: You skip that step at your peril. Wow. That's
1: kind of a shock statement. I yep. think I
0: get the message. Game of Thrones. Yeah. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> we were just telling you, you were very soft and yeah. loving before.
1: And, and so, when a soft, loving person says that, right. you listen. Right. You know, you, you listen. listen. Right. Wow.
0: When Aaron Hughes talks, you, you listen. listen. Yeah, uh,
1: at your peril. <laughs>
5: so this is like people don't seem, feel seen and valued by the person who's newly in leadership of them, above them, then they feel threatened and look at their backup. And they certainly Absolutely. don't trust. They,
0: will not trust. they will not trust you, yeah. So, you know, in this ever-changing world of work, um, what tips do you have for leaders? What tips do you have for aspiring leaders, if you would?
5: I would say think strategically and think ahead. So mm-hmm. it's one thing to get into a leadership position and try and make sure that everything is currently running efficiently. Um, practices and protocols and policies are all in place and being honored. But it's another thing to think about where you want to be in five years, ten years, twenty years. You know, as an organization and as a team, and I think they should always be thinking ahead of what's next, what they're going to grow into. Particularly with technology changing as quickly as it is now, right? Um, where they're going, right? Where the team needs to go, where the the pain points are. Yeah. Uh, you know what? What's the mission, vision, and value of the team, and how are you going to live that out in the future so that you
0: exist and step out of that moment right yep like managing is the moment yep we manage the moment but we lead the future yep i just made that up
1: that was <laughs> that, oh my god that was good <laughs> so during the contest we impress ourselves <laughs> <laughs> so much it's embarrassing <laughs> all right so we're here with lisa sickle from Icona. thank you so much lisa for
4: talking to Holly now. Yeah. Yeah, well, thank you for having me today. It's truly my my pleasure. Great. Yeah.
1: So we're at our leadership conference. Yes. So I I need to ask you um, about leadership development. And we know leadership, right, developing and growing as a leader, it's a journey. It's not a one and done. We have to keep doing it. Uh, I'm sure it's something that you've done over the years. So when you think about all that you've done to develop and to grow, Mm -hmm. um, what's... What's been the most rewarding or the most tough? Hu- is there an experience or, or something uh, that you've made a point to start
4: doing? What would you say it is? So really it's the culture in which I work in now. So I've been with my company for seven years okay. and very early into my career and we're in the hospitality space. There was an issue with bartenders who were giving away free drinks because the patron was bringing them meatball sandwiches. And so we discovered three of them that were doing this. So the CEO of the company and myself wanted to speak to them, but the CEO was going to lead the conversation. And instead of yelling at them, berating them, or any of those things, they said, gentlemen, I want to teach you a life lesson. Don't be taken advantage of by somebody. And so nobody was terminated. It gave them food for thought. And I turned to him after the meeting and I said, you're gonna teach me a new way of doing business. And he's like, I hope I do. Oh,
0: chills. Wow. I yes. totally just got chills. Yeah. That's
4: amazing. It's truly. And That's modeling. Yeah. And so, you know, I grew up in an entrepreneurial family. My father had supermarkets, liquor stores, um, you know, so and it was a very old school kind of do as I say, as we were talking about. It's command about and here. control. Right. And so, you know, I, I learned that very well. I cut my teeth on yeah. that. Right. And to see this different model of, uh, you know, understanding and and really, and grooming people as human beings as opposed to a, a business tactic or strategy um, was really impactful and, and you know, an and put me example. on a different trajectory. Yeah. Yeah. Example of taking the coach approach, right? Yeah,
1: Coach is leader. see this as an opportunity to help them grow and develop and learn yes. instead of punch.
0: Yes. Good to me. Oh, that's a, such a good story. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, um, you know, certainly you know this better than most being in the hospitality industry, but we've seen, um, just a world of chaos in the past three, oh. three and a half years. Yes, um, and... Uh, it feels almost like an understatement. Yeah, I it's all... It almost doesn't feel Yeah, like I mean, especially for hospitality. I mean, we've had talent... I mean, first, you know, the obvious, right? Yes. The shutdown and, and then the the extra cleaning challenges and sanitation that you've all had and yes. then staff shortages and, and, and I could go on and on and on, yes. right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, So lots of workplaces had to adapt and that always means that leadership has to adapt. Yes. How have you adapted your style in the past three and a half years?
4: So um, we have always had processes, but now the processes have taken uh, a higher lead in what we do Mm. because people need to be clear about what they need to do. Clear as kind. And then the second thing is empathy. Even though it's part of our culture and it's on our culture card, we've really had to be more empathetic with one another than we ever had to be before. Everybody had a different challenge through that pandemic, um, and you know, I consider myself definitely one of the fortunate ones, right? But I was getting calls, desperate calls from the team members as we're working from home. Um, I don't know what to do when I, don't, you know, and sometimes I was just sitting on the phone for an hour, just listening to somebody, right? But they're part of our team, and so it was really empathy started to naturally come out in us before we even identified with we were being empathetic. Do you right. know what I mean? Right. But I think empathy is is probably maybe you know one and two for the processes because the processes were equally as important. This is what we're doing, and this is why we're doing
1: it. Interesting, right? You know, having a process also brings comfort to people. Yes, you have know, structure. Especially in such times of uncertainty, when there is that structure, when they mm-hmm. sit, when they know all right, this is what I need to do, so yes. it does bring comfort to that and security. 100. Yeah, one hundred percent. So mentioned earlier leadership's the journey. And that journey sometimes can be a little body. Right? <laughs> yes.
4: Like way, so <laughs> I, probably, I don't come um, through a straight line. I don't know about anybody else, but my know, career was right? on a straight and I'm line. Time
1: to probably get
4: a road. Uh a uh, road bump or whatever. Uh so I you think
1: about all the mistakes that leaders make. And, yes. and we all make them. And honestly, we need to make them because that's how we learn. That's how we grow. Sure. What do you think is the greatest mistake that leaders make?
4: Um, I think probably is a failure to communicate fairly. Mm. I think um, clear communication is, is key. And I think leaders really need to buy into what they're doing. So as our our CEO says, because he used to be in the car business before he decided to go into the hospitality space, if there's a question in the seller's mind, there'll be a question in the buyer's mind. So as leaders, we have to really have a deep dive and believe in what we're doing and then be able to communicate that clearly. Mm -hmm.
0: I like that. Question in the seller's mind, there's going to be a question in the buyer's mind. Yes. So tips that you have for aspiring leaders in this new world of art?
4: Um, yeah, I think one is clear communicators, right? You really need to have clear communication skills. And if you want to be a leader, you should probably um, practice some public speaking, mm. right? Yeah. Um, and if you can sort of, uh, you know, really understand the audience and what you're speaking with. And then the second thing I would say is really that listening. You were talking about the act of listening. I learn more Every time I sit in a director's meeting or whatever, when I'm quiet and I'm just listening and I'm hearing what they're saying, where the CEO is talking about this and then they interject that and I'm like, I think, we, I think we've missed our point here, <laughs> right? We're not all on the same road together. Um, so yeah, clear communication and then strong listening.
0: Clear as kind, and we were given two ears and one mouth for a reason, right? <laughs> Excellent, Elisa. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us. Oh. It's always a pleasure to see yeah, you in thank person. Thank you so much
4: for having us. Yes, yeah. thank you for coming. Our pleasure. Sally said for sure.
0: Michelle, thank you for joining us. Um, we are at our leadership conference, and Michelle Gloviak from Marion Cricket Club has agreed to sit and talk with us. Um, welcome, and thank you for for yeah. sitting down. Thank you so much for having me. Sounds awesome. awesome.
1: All right. Oh, well, that's right. I'm on. Right. Okay. So I have a question. So you're out of the Leaders of which I love that you're here. I hope you're enjoying it so far. Absolutely. So leadership is a journey. We all know that, right? And we know that the leaders, the best leaders really approach it that way. It's not a one and done. It's something I'm constantly going to learning and growing and finding ways to do that. So when you think about your journey and what you've done, what's been the best experience that you've had in your development or uh, it was an experience or something that like conversation, whatever, what would you say has been most valuable from a learning standpoint?
6: Um, I, I think you said it best, it is a journey and it's not just one event or one situation, it's the culmination of all of those experiences added up together. It's the good, it's the bad, it's cherry picking. This is what I want to be like. This is what I don't like, either, right? And that's how I have become the leader that I am today. So being really intentional is what I'm here. Like
1: making that's a decision. Here's how I want to show up. Here's who I want to be. Absolutely. That's awesome. Yeah. That's and learning, learning from food. others.
6: Yeah. Making a good situation out of a bad situation. May have been a bad situation for me, but I'm going to learn from it and adapt and be a better leader for it. Absolutely, yeah. Speaking of a bad
0: situation, I would say that you know I was a great segue. I'm getting better at this. I'm um, figuring this out. So, what was my segue? Oh, speaking of a bad situation, um, I I uh, I think we can all agree that the past three and a half years have been pretty tumultuous, uh, particularly 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 in the workplace, and uh, you know you're certainly in the hospitality space, Um, and, you know, I mean, from shortages of, you know, the shutdown, shortages, not enough employees, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, supply chain issues, et cetera, you know, our businesses had to adapt. They had to adjust and adapt. So, too, have our leadership styles. How would you say your leadership style has adapted in the last three and a half years or so?
6: Um, Well, it's been a bumpy road, but... (laughs) I think that um, someone said to me one time that those who are flexible are never bent out of shape. Oh. And I, yes, I take that that so seriously. I get that. It speaks to me, right? So as you said, everything is changing and even at a more rapid pace than it ever has before. So we need to learn to be comfortable in that change, right? Because change is difficult for everyone. So being flexible, because we know it's going to be different tomorrow. Sure. Yeah. Oh, oh, God, yeah.
1: So you mentioned that bumpy
6: route. Yes.
1: Right? And it is a bumpy route. And leading people just, is. it's a journey, and sometimes it's smooth sailing, and sometimes, like you said, it's that bumpy route. So when you think about that, what would you say, and I know you don't make any mistakes, well, when you think, oh. <laughs> but when you think That's about the true. mistakes that leaders make, what would you say is, is the, the
6: greatest mistakes that leaders could make? Um, I think that it's... um. Trying to do too much too soon, right? So as we talk about change is hard, right? We're human beings. We don't like change. No, and some, some of us are more comfortable with it than others. But taking a step back and observing for a little while, getting to know who your, your team is at their core, not just you know, what they say their are types, right? Trying to go in and make changes right away and not getting to know the situation of the people. I think is, I mean, it's a mistake that I have made. I think it's probably a mistake most leaders do make because you want to prove yourself. You're like, oh, I'm new at this. I want to prove to everyone I am, I am the right person for this job, but too much too soon.
0: I remember when I started at MEA, gosh, 10 years ago, which is what? crazy. <laughs> um, when I started at MEA, my, uh, Kevin, our CEO said to me, I'm sure you want to change everything. <laughs> yeah. you want to come in here and do everything a different way. Mm-hmm. I want you to just observe yeah. for the first 60 days yeah, and think about how we could do things differently. Cause I was brought in to do that, but not right away. Right. right. Because you don't know enough. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, um, you know, words of advice from our fearless leader. <laughs> um, so, you know, um, yeah. And speaking of advice, there, I did it again. I again. have a lot of it. I, mean, mean, I am just, you know, me. speaking of advice, we do compliment ourselves a lot.
6: Um, <laughs> I wouldn't say um, a lot. <laughs> but you deserve it. I mean, well, we're Thank you. Baby, thank, you. Baby, thank, thank you. Yeah. Thank nice. you. Um, so
0: uh, speaking of advice, what, what tips do you have for aspiring leaders who are venturing out into this leadership journey in this new sort of world of
6: work? Yes. And so I feel very um awkward about being even asked this question like I know the answer right I, I don't know the answers I don't know the path of we all just figure it out through trial and error right so just knowing that that no one knows the answers but keep learning you never know everything right right we keep learning adapting changing and everyone else around us is learning and adapting and changing and we've got a new generation coming into the workforce all, you know, kind of all the time. It's that cycle. So never stop learning. Never stop being open-minded to changing or a new perspective. Yeah, for sure. That's-
0: I love that, Michelle. Thank you. I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Absolutely. Thanks thank for stopping by. Thanks for having me.
1: Jack Becker with Supersonic Success. Thank you so much for taking the time speaking with us today.
7: Of course. Thanks uh, for having me.
1: And uh, let me just let our listeners know a little bit about your background. Uh, F-18 fighter pilot. Yes. F-18 uh, instructor. Yes. Twenty years at the U.S. Navy. Correct. Quite impressive. Thank you. Soon to be. MEA's closing keynote speaker at our leadership conference. I'm
7: psyched for that. Yeah,
1: Yeah, we're really psyched. We're going to get a little sneak peek into what you have. So um, functional leadership, it's something you and I talked about a little bit. And it's something that you said the Navy uses with their pilots.
7: Yes, it's something that we've adopted from NASA. Okay. And it's great. So you wired it We did. NASA behavioral psychologists came up with this idea of functional leaders. And that is very opposite to the designated leader. And that's the leader at the top of the org chart or the boss in the corner office. The functional leader is leadership by knowledge or expertise. What it means is that it allows for the most qualified person, regardless of where they are on the org chart, to step up, take command of the situation, and meet operational demands. So it allows for sometimes our youngest, most inexperienced person on the org chart that may have a critical piece of information to save the day.
1: So how does this... Right. So this is like a culture,
7: basically, Absolutely. right?
1: Because people have to know that this is a thing. Yes. How do you communicate that to
7: everybody? So one of the things I like to talk about is the old Top Gun movie and certainly the new one, Top Gun Maverick, that came out. The only thing really that I see artificial in the, those movies is the overarching egos that doesn't exist at all in a fighter pilot ready room. It's all about we over me. And how can you help me point out my mistakes so I can make the team better? Mm-hmm. And so what we're allowing our younger, more inexperienced folks to maybe make a mistake from time to time, but the culture is that's okay because we're all going to learn from it. It may be a mistake that I've made before that I already should have shared with them, or it might be a mistake that I didn't know that now that they highlight it, I'll never make that mistake again. So we keep elevating the performance of the team because we're empowering our functional leaders.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, as as I'm listening to you and thinking about sort of bureaucratic hierarchical business, um snooze um and how in your opinion how do we translate functional leadership as you just described it that you participate in with the the, the fighter pilots in the navy how do we translate that to business
7: i think the best thing we can do and i'll hit on it in my keynote today is empower our folks by knowing that mistakes are going to happen it's the same thing that frank and mohammed talked about this morning in their keynote is that it's okay what we need to do is not only celebrate our successes but celebrate our failures as well. And I don't want people to hide from them. The worst thing that we can have somebody do is join our team and, right. think, gosh, I made a mistake. You know what? I'm just going to sweep it under the rug. Because right. if they do that, somebody else on our team is doomed to repeat it. Whereas if they highlight it, knowing that the culture is okay, that we're all going to get better for you making this mistake, that's how we can achieve excellence.
1: You know, Jack, that's best case scenario, right? Then it just gets repeated. For sure. There's so many worse things that could happen yes. when you ha- make a mistake and then hide it. Yes. And, and I, I love what you're talking about because it's really, you know, functional leadership tied with psychological safety. Yes. You just have to make it right. safe for people to do that. Yes. That's so cool.
7: Yeah, it's exciting. I mean, I love talking about it, but the process works, right? We don't use it sitting in a classroom. This isn't theory. We use it at speeds up to Mach 2 or twice the speed of sound when we're making life and death decisions, when things are happening fast. And this works for us. And it can certainly work in an HR setting.
6: Yeah, sure. How
1: long did it take for you to adopt? Like, it's great to say, hey, we want to do this. But how long before it actually was?
7: So it was Um, was a a huge transformation. And there were certainly dinosaurs in our community who weren't weren't attracted to it and they were shunning it and fortunately they kind of either were shunned by the wayside or retired out the top and now that we don't have to deal with them because since the day one of me starting to fly in the us navy we've been using this culture so i've been brought up with it my entire time so i don't know anything different i've heard from some of the old guard that the, it was the old grandfathers would fight it and that you can see where we could really start butting heads where we're empowering in order people to speak up and to, old guard doesn't like to be challenged, but fortunately we've gotten away from that. And now it's all about this relentless pursuit of perfection. We're never going to achieve it, but how can we get better after what we did today? Highlight our successes, highlight our errors, and get better tomorrow.
0: Thanks so much for your time. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks Thanks for having me. Can't wait to see your keynote Yeah, Thanks.
1: Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Jack. Bye.
0: Thank you for listening. We hope you got a ton of value out of this episode.
1: Before we go, we want to thank the sponsor of our show, the Mid-Atlantic Employers Association more commonly referred to as MEA. MEA provides human resources services to hundreds of businesses across numerous industries every day, bridging gaps that restrain innovation and growth.
0: If you need support around people issues, reach out to MEainfo.org. Better people, better outcomes.